0: Good morning and happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Daily Bible Wrap Up. I go through the readings for the day from the Nikki Gumbo Bible in one year 2023 reading plan. I'd like to start out, first of all, by apologizing for some audio issues realized after the fact that yesterday's episode had some static in it. We think we've identified the cause of the issue and have a temporary fix in place and maybe doing some additional upgrades here in Studio 2A. So just ask for your patience as we navigate some minor technology issues. Start out today in Psalm 68, verse 28, right in the middle. Sing, is mentioned three times, and I'll read the verses. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praises to the Lord. Sing to the one who rides across the ancient heavens. While we've talked about singing to remember as a tool to keep a story going in oral tradition, singing is also a powerful expression of worship. One of my favorite contemporary Christian songs is The Lion and the Lamb. You may be familiar with that. The chorus goes something along the lines of, Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chain. Every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. I just love that. I used to love it when we sang that in choir that was several years ago. I was in a choir, fairly large church for several years. But I loved it when we sang. it, it had it looks at two sides of an awesome God. He fights our battles and he sacrificed himself for us. Amen. New Testament, we are in John 19, verse 28. John says Jesus knew his mission was finished. he said, I am thirsty to fulfill scripture. Now, there are no notes in my NLT Bible translation to indicate what scripture he was fulfilling with that statement. But I guess it may be somewhere in Isaiah. That usually would be the first place that I would start at least. Anyway, after that, he, quote, bowed his head and gave up his spirit, end quote. Now, the Jewish leaders, since it was Passover week, didn't want the body slowly dying on the cross. Remember, there are three up there, one on either side of Jesus, a couple of criminals who were also crucified. And so the religious, religious leaders ordered the legs broken to quicken the death. And I believe that's because if I understand correctly how one dies when crucified, it's a slow suffocation. You cannot, you, you, you lose the strength to be able to take in that breath. You can imagine it takes so much from your core to do that. And if you break the legs, that would remove some of the leverage that someone would have to continue the labored breathing and therefore hasten the suffocation. But Jesus was already dead, so no reason to break legs, but he did take a spear to the side. This fulfilled, I think, Isaiah when he said he was pierced for our transgressions, but my notes say that it also fulfills Zechariah 12.10. Also, there are apparently from the notes, references about his bones not being broken from Exodus, Numbers, and Psalm, Psalm 34. Joseph of Arimathea took his body and Nicodemus helped prepare Jesus' body with 75 pounds of perfumed ointment. Always think about Nicodemus and what he could have done He could have been the bridge to the leaders, the religious leaders, but this is the way that it had to be. They wrapped Jesus in long um, sheets of linen cloth, no shroud mentioned here. They laid Jesus in a new tomb. Then we go over to John 20. Now, Mary Magdalene, the next day, found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. So she went and fetched Peter and John. Speaking of choir, I love the memory of singing about this one Easter with Charlie Daniels, the song He's Alive, that tells this story. When Peter saw the empty tomb and the linen wrappings scattered, he believed and understood with John at that moment that Jesus must rise from the dead. So at that point in time, it's like, oh, I got it. He's alive. That sends shivers down my spine a bit. First Samuel 29, the Philistine army requested that David leave them. They didn't trust David's Motives, probably not a bad conclusion from a strategic standpoint. So they didn't, David's forces did not join in preparation of battle with his, with the Israelites. And then on the first Samuel 30, back in Philistine land, the Amalekites had attacked presumably while the Philistines were unprotected. Remember, Saul's army is a. Or or rather, the Philistine army is um, preparing to attack Israel. Now, David's two wives were among those captured. David asked God for guidance. God said to go after the raiders. He and his 600 men did. Then down to 400, his 200 were too worn out. They slaughtered most of the Amalekites and got back all that was taken, including David's two wives. Now, some of David's men didn't want to share the plunder with the 200 who stayed behind. Remember, they were having issues with nutrition and food and provisions and all that. But David said, no, we share and share alike. And David also sent some of the plunder to friends in Judah seems like that this could have been an attempt to win favor with Israel. Now, in 1 Samuel 31, Philistines attack and kill many, including three of Saul's sons. Jonathan was one. Saul's wounded in this, and he asked an armor bearer to finish the job, but the armor bearer wouldn't do it. So Saul fell on a sword. So presumably that it could not be said that the Philistines killed him. The Philistines proclaimed the news of Saul's death, fastening his body to the wall of Beth Shem and other bodies for display of the victory, I assume. But some warriors from Israel didn't like that, and they, in the nighttime, retrieved the bodies of Saul and others and burned them, which I would imagine would be to avoid further desecration of the bodies. And that's it for today. We'll pick this up again tomorrow. Have an awesome day.